The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope you all. Man, it's finally Friday, you guys. That's right. It's Friday, August 11th. And today is Play in the Sand Day. So take your kids to the beach. It's also National Raspberry Bomb Day. Global Kinetic Sand Day. Of course, it's Sand Day and Global Kinetic Sand Day all in the same time. National Sons and Daughters Day. So make sure you do something with your kids. Take them to the beach and play in the sand. And, oh, man, this, is, this might be the best, best one yet, you guys. It is National Presidential Joke Day. If we didn't already have enough presidential jokes already. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. That's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter spaces. But uh, we're not on Twitter spaces yet. We got to work out some technical difficulties still. But nonetheless, we are going to kick it off with the veteran. That's right, Mr. Sean Kernan, the president of Weed for Warriors, president and CEO of Weed for Warriors, the largest veterans organization in America in regards with advocating for veterans' rights and cannabis usage. That's right. It is the man who always claims that he's being silenced, but is never really being silenced. That's right. It is none other than the Mr. Sean Kernan. I love you, Jason. Well Listen, what we're talking today about is exactly what we've been talking about. And I got a news story out of CBS New York. Uh, another lawsuit for the wonderfully uh, sister shitty rollout of uh, cannabis laws like California and New York. Carmen Fiore suing New York over its cannabis laws says his veterans were cast aside during retail licensing process. Let's be real. Veterans have been cast aside forever about everything. New York's struggling recreational marijuana industry hit another roadblock after a judge temporarily stopped the state from issuing new retail cannabis licenses. Carmen Fiore of Levantown, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, is suing New York over marijuana. He is one of four veterans that claim the state office of cannabis management illegally passed them over for retail licenses, putting the program on hold. 
Quote, it feels like veterans were used to get a law passed. No shit. A good law, one that helps a lot of people and the state as well. Then once it was passed, we were cast aside for a separate agenda, Fiore said. They were called identity politics. When the state legalized recreational use of marijuana and started its nascent marijuana industry, its stated goal was to grant half the licenses to communities with high marijuana arrest rates, minority and women-owned businesses, distressed farmers, and veterans disabled while in service. That was up to the OCM. We were very lucky that I was one of the chosen ones. Kamadeep Singh said, Singh just opened Strange Stars a dispensary, Long Island's first retail marijuana dispensary in Farmingdale. He was chosen because of his past. I was arrested several years ago in Poughkeepsie in my teenage days. Finally, a couple years later, I don't smoke anymore, Singh said. It paid off. We got a lot of non-smoking uh, cannabis owners. Just irony. Singh also owned a prior business that turned a profit for two years. Another requirement. Theoretically, the legislature should have passed something initially which would have given the applicants an opportunity, said attorney Ryan McGow. McGow thinks veterans, along with others, promised but left out have a strong case. We do in the court of public opinion, but if we're relying on the courts, uh, legal courts, well, that's an institution in deep despair. They are effectively saying that it's unconstitutional. There could be tons of repercussions. As of right now, no new license will or are being issued, McCall said. A temporary halt won't affect Singh's policy because it's already open. So literally, the current the guys who did and women who did win love this because now they have a protected market until this shit show fight ends. We have lines outside the store, and thank you, Long Island, Singh said. Very supportive. We are doing great. If the judge extends the restraining order, some in the state believe it will be problematic for a lot of conditional adult-use retail dispensary licenses already struggling to finally open and operate. That is the end. Oh, man, 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 oh, man. So these guys have stopped the CURD program, correct? Yep. CURD program has stopped dead in its tracks. And uh, I've been following uh, this guy on, uh, on social media. I'm going to hopefully I can. Oh, man, hold on. Here we go. It's very, been very, very interesting because... Uh, the MSOs have decided to get involved with this too. Are you aware of this, Sean? About the MSOs getting involved in this lawsuit? I'm sure the MSOs are involved in a lot of things. Let's be honest. Okay, well, well, the fact of the matter is, look who just decided to join the party and shutter the OCM's CURD program. The Coalition for Access to Regulated and Safe Cannabis, C-A-R-S-C, a trade organization founded by MSOs, including Acreage Holdings, Curaleaf, Green Thumb Industries, and Pharmacan, which has already sued the OCM to shut down the CURD program, has just sent a letter to the court requesting to participate in Friday's oral arguments in the veterans lawsuit. The MSOs want to support the motion to freeze the CURD program by adding their own related claims against the OCM and CCB. And this makes perfect sense considering the fact that these MSOs are in line to start selling adult use cannabis in New York by the end of the year. Shutting the CURD program benefits these, uh, well, this is, this is from this page. This is what it's saying is benefits these monsters more than anyone else on planet Earth. I don't know if I necessarily would call them monsters, but whatever. And it says lawyers for the CARSC claim that because both lawsuits touch 
on the same issue in New York State Constitution that the current program uh, might go against the separation of powers that rule. They're asking for a joint hearing. And in both cases, uh, are considered together. Any decisions made on Friday could stay in place, the freeze and the entire Kurd program until at least mid-September or early October. And that's because the CARSC plaintiff mentioned in their letter that the papers from the OCM related to the motions for summary judgment in the CARSC case are due on September 8th. And OPM has until 5 p.m. today to submit their oppositions. And this was two days ago. And so there's a lot of action happening in New York around this, Sean. A lot of action going down. Everyone is uh, is fighting for limited licenses. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's going on. Fighting for and limited that- licenses, but in reality, they could use a portion of the money that they would use to open up their store, probably maybe like a tenth of it, and they could open up a trap shop right now in New York and just be selling weed and be profitable and just be and be operational. <laughs> What well, hey, case study, California. Mm-hmm. I support that. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I mean, let's be real. I mean, at the end of the day, what happened is we were given a shitty fraudulent model pushed by the communist at Drug Policy Alliance and, and, and uh, you know, and Ethan Nadelman. And it's a disaster, a mm-hmm. damn disaster. And, and it's because it violates the natural law of economics. And, and you know, all you've done with a limited licensing model and a and, and you know uh, the strictest zoning requirements in the world is create one big dysfunctional mess and stoke the illicit market, which is going to dominate regardless. You know, you go after stores; they're going to go to the streets. They're going to go to pizza delivery. My, I got back into smoking cannabis on Park Avenue at at my hedge fund I worked at. You're such an elitist. I know. <laughs> And my good friend, my wife was having extreme headaches and she was going to the doctors and, and having, you know, them tell her, well, take this pill, take this pill, take this pill. And this was back in the early 2000s after she had just, you know, started giving birth to uh, our Irish birth control. We had four kids in eight years. Um, <laughs> and, and, and literally, and literally the, none of the shit worked and it made her feel horrible. So I had a good friend who was a hedge fund manager, MIT, PhD, you know, Harvard, PhD, mathematician, did Harvard. He's an amazing guy. And he said, why didn't you have her smoke some cannabis? And I said, I haven't touched that stuff since high school, right? And I was really alcohol. And I said, well, do you know where he gets it? He goes, hold. Calls the phone number. Then about 30 minutes, a guy shows up with a pizza container, comes to my trading desk, and, and we walk into the... Uh, the conference room and he opens it up and there's a whole circular of little eighth charts and it's like sour diesel blue dreams and everything and i say i'm gonna take some sour diesel and i got like four or five eighths of different stuff and then literally on the train ride home to connecticut um that i took from grand you know the grand station the grand central every evening um i stopped by one of the smoke shops there and got a bong and that night Chrissy and I smoked, hacked our lungs off after we got the kids to bed and found made the fifth kid, right? Made the fifth kid that night. Yeah. (laughs) Just what happens after? I think it was the third one. And then uh, literally um, we swam all night and and reconnected in a way that we hadn't. So that became Mm -hmm. our thing after we put the kids to bed. 
um, and started smoking. And that's where it started again for me. And and Sean, then in later, go ahead. Sean, did you when you bought the, when you bought the bong? Did you know you were supposed to put water in it? <laughs> I'm just just wondering. Just wondering. Did you dry hit it? Did you, he was swimming that night, did, so did, something did, was wet. Did, it was did, good. Did did, did did you dry hit it? Did you dry hit it first? That night. Did you dry hit it first? Uh, I don't believe so, Jason. I knew how to use a bomb <laughs> for high school. But, but that's funny. I mean, to be honest with you, there's shit I've done I didn't know and I didn't realize. And but you, it's like Elon Musk. You learn by making mistakes. Fuck it. I mean, I think beyond the personal reproductive history, uh, there is a lot to unpack in this article. And I think when it comes to public policy, it's pretty it's pretty righteous to think about how many people benefit versus how many people lose. And so as this gentleman is a veteran and, 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 you know, we always start with thank you for your service. Um, I wonder about the veterans who aren't opening shops who would benefit from increased access to other retail. And if we care about veterans and we care about veterans being able to get affordable, uh, uncontaminated cannabis products for wellness or for treatment of maladies or for, you know, whatever it's going to be, you know, are, 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 is that constituency of New York better served by one veteran having one shop in Long Island uh, versus this protectionism? And, you know, they say that the, the enemy of my enemy is my ally. I don't believe in that fallacy. And so when you see these MSOs coming in like the cavalry over the top of the hill, oh, let's tag along. You know, I don't think anybody should demonize those MSOs. They're just out there to get their paper and create shareholder value. I don't know that there's anything inherently evil in that. But when they come over the hill, like the cavalry, you know, for this gentleman to even allow them to jump up into his little play date is really, I think, questionable strategy. And and, and I don't think anybody with a straight face can say that this is going to benefit the regulated market, benefit access to cannabis for, for veterans in New York. And, you know... How is this going to help, right? And that money that's being spent on lawsuits and civil litigation, where could we have spent that money instead? And how much of that money could have been redirected towards veterans and veterans programs or education along with access to retail? And so this to me just seems like people aligning their values with their wallets and maybe not taking a step back from their own self-interest to think about the bigger picture. Um, uh, Yarrow, I'm just wondering, Amen. I, I, I'm just wondering, I, I, I'm not sure that, that, um, that, that, that the veterans get to say whether or not, um, these MSOs jump on to their lawsuit or not. I think that's the judge's decision. I think with civil litigation, you might not be able to have somebody just come in through the side door and say, Hey, I'm here too. And my lawyer's got a fancy shirt. I would imagine that there does need to be some measure of cooperation. Now I'm a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. Um, but I, I think that that, that, that person isn't vulnerable to other people in civil processes coming into their lawsuit without their consent. Well, listen, I, I don't know the facts, you know, yet behind it. I've been getting called off the hook since this got laid out, asking my opinion. And I always withhold until I have a good understanding, make no mistake about it. Um, in identity politics, which now veterans aren't in identity politic. Um, and there's a lot of uh, straw men being used out there, you know, just like social equity. I can't say that's the case here. So maybe they're not as a part as we think they are. Maybe they are. Um, maybe this is a grand plan. 
Um, I agree with you, Arl. I don't think we should demonize the MSOs, but what we need to realize is this MSOs are trying to big pharma cannabis and they cre help create this mess, the private equity shops and Gotham and all the greens. I worked with these assholes. I know exactly who the hell they are. Um, and 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 the, they used regulatory capture. Um, and that doesn't mean they're all assholes or shit. People think I'm an asshole. I think I'm the nicest asshole, but that's a different story. Um, you know, uh, we shouldn't demonize them, but they're using regulatory capture. I mean, Adam Berman said it on Jim Cramer. Does that go again? Why you should invest is because cannabis is going to be a limited licensing model. Think taxicab medallion model, more, less license, more valuable. They're making money on the balance sheet through the asset to help finance this thing. And they, we've seen them do that. No one's making money on the income statement. But now the problem is they're so overcapitalized. I'm sorry. I think they're screwed i'll say i won't use the word Jason. Oh, look at that look at that look at that look at that some growth on sean's and, and so yara i think we have to look at it i were 100 percent on the same and this is best served by the alcohol model end of story it's the best way to give access it doesn't you, we have in my opinion you have to take it out of the scheduling and deschedule it uh because if not we have big pharma in control that's not what we're going to get from biden and we're going to get a reschedule um and so that's the game behind the scenes. And I, I think at the end of the day, until we get this right, you know, it, it's going to be a mess and, and, the, and the illicit market is going to dominate. And so that gets back to what was said earlier. You want to make money in cannabis? Go become an illicit market dealer. Well, I, I don't know that I'm going to give that advice and, when people hire me as trap, a consultant. But if that gentleman survives. who was the plaintiff in this lawsuit gave me a call, I would tell him to run his shop instead of running his mouth. Long Island has a... A fantastic is a market that's going to have a fantastic opportunity for brick and mortar retail because there are still large sections of Long Island where you can't have a brick and mortar retail. And so I think if this particular veteran and let me just cast some judgment from afar without ever having met the, the gentleman, if this particular gentleman is going to be a net positive to a regulated industry, go out there and do the best shop in Long Island that ever existed and never will exist. There's a great opportunity to be a net positive and contribute. And it probably doesn't mean spending your time in court but you could spend your time opening up a shop and just operating as a social lounge or some private members only club and you'll make a whole hell of a lot more money out there in new york doing that but nonetheless we're going to keep it moving we're going to go to commercial and we're going to be right back how's it going guys saman razani coming to you from green street here with jason beck smoking on the best weed in the world did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on apple Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Threaten me with a good time. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys, all your guys' is back chatter, da 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 da. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to roll right into my story next. All right. As you guys can tell, Rico's going to be joining us late today, and Gretchen had to, to miss us today. Because uh, um, someone hurt their hand, but uh, I'm not going to say who, but someone did hurt their hand. Well, slapping you is probably a full-time job. Well, it's definitely not Gretchen that hurt her hand. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying that for the chat out there, you know what I'm saying? Because they're not going to want to know who it is. But nonetheless, a federal court strikes down gun prohibition for cannabis users as unconstitutional. Oh, yeah. That's, that's my little 
my little pew, pew, pew. Because you know what? Cannabis people can have guns. That's right. A federal appeals court has ruled that the ban preventing people who use marijuana for, from possessing firearms is unconstitutional. A decision that could open the door to more legal challenges to gun control laws. A three-judge panel agreed on Wednesday to reverse the conviction of a man who'd been sentenced to nearly four years in prison after being pulled over with firearms and admitting to occasional cannabis consumption, which first which um and which marijuana moment noted which first reported in the news the u.s court of appeals of the fifth circuit cited a 2022 supreme court ruling that says firearm restrictions must be consistent with the historical context of the second amendment's original 1791 ratification the court noted that the federal government's attempt to establish a historical analog to the marijuana gun ban fell short, stating that while the founders behind the ratification of the Second Amendment were familiar with cannabis plants, they grew hemp to make rope, they were not familiar with widespread use of marijuana as a narcotic, nor the modern drug trade reported marijuana moment. And in a quote, in short, our history and tradition may support some limits on an intoxicated person's right to carry a weapon, but it does not justify disarming a sober citizen based on exclusively on his past drug usage, wrote uh, Reagan-appointed Circuit Judge Jerry Smith. Also in a quote, he says, nor do more generalized traditions of disarming dangerous persons support this restriction on nonviolent drug users, he says. The court also disputed the Justice Department attempt to link regular cannabis use to firearm bans for mentally ill people, saying that at most the analog is only relevant to gun possession while actively impaired. And the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives, better known as the ATF, has maintained that the marijuana firearms ban is unambiguous and unenforceable, even in states where marijuana has been fully legalized. You hear that, guys? They say it's unenforceable. And within days after Minnesota's legal cannabis program went into effect, the ATF let residents there know they'd have to choose between their guns and their weed. Although the ATF did recently update its cannabis employment policy, it is now states that applicants who grow, manufacture, or sold pot in compliance with state laws while serving in a position of public responsibility will no longer be automatically disqualified unless they violated their state's cannabis policies in which case they're not eligible. Well, 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 sounds like there's going to be a gunfight over at the OK Corral in regards to all your gun rights. And it just sounds like all of us as Americans who love guns and who love our cannabis will be a little bit freer tomorrow. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. Oh, man, Sean Kernan with the veterans perspective already has his hands up. What do you think about this, Sean? Well, listen, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not, we have a gun fetish in this country. Let's be real. Guns are great. I, and you know what? I have a couple, my wife, I had a felony and I don't know, I'm a disabled vet. So my gun ownership is in question sometimes, but, uh, but my wife had, you know, has some self-defense as Gordon Liddy said when interviewed, she's got some guns. Um, bottom line is this, I'm not a gun freak. I shot a lot and I shot a lot of different types of guns. I've seen a lot of it's some, some death, not a lot of death, some death. Well, actually, a lot when you bring in the current fight. Um, but one thing I love is this country and the Constitution. 
And when you come mm-hmm. in and start to try to control my constitution and my rights by saying I can't own a gun because I want to buy, use cannabis or I use cannabis or I can't say a word and you cancel for me because I no longer have free speech, those those some, some fighting words. So, you know, the court seems to be getting its act together and standing up for the Constitution. So I love this decision. And if you don't like guns, we can do a, a you know, a constitutional, uh, uh, you know, amendment well, changing it. If you don't like and guns, if you don't like guns, you have the right to not buy them or to not use them. Like what, what what's the like problem on the TV channel? You can turn the channel. Exactly. Yeah. Get your remote. Make sure your batteries are re- recharged. And you know what I'm saying? Just click, click, click. I mean, I think I think the conversation in America around guns has become about the type of guns and also the type of people who marry who are likely getting them much too young. Right. Like this 18 to 25 year old sect that can get a 30 round mag and probably is a little cuckoo. You know, we're seeing what's happening in the United States. And as a parent, uh, it's clear to me that we need to fix the system and we need to we need to change gun policy. But when we talk about changing gun policy, most people think that I'm only talking about restricting access to guns. What's also equally as is alarming to me is that if you've ever been convicted of a cannabis felony, you never get the right to have a gun for the rest of your life. So you sell them. You sell an ounce when you're 18 years old and when you're 68 years old, you can't even go duck hunting with a shotgun in the Delta in Sacramento. And there's something really wrong about that. We have these expungement clinics. People are supposed to be able to sort of uh, live in a, in, a, in a society that it's based on uh, redemption, atonement and, 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 and being able to sort of do, you know, take responsibility for one's uh, actions. But never being able to get your gun rights reinstated is really, really unfair in my mind. I'll give you an example. I was on a ranch yesterday, 200 acres. Everybody on that ranch carried a sidearm and a rifle because there's literally lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And if you come across rattlesnake, you just take out your rifle and you shoot it. Okay, I'm sorry if there's any rattlesnake activists who are listening. If I offended you, I'll carry on. And so... So snakes are people. Oh no, they're not actual people. Snakes are people. Snakes are not people. I'm not into snakes, snakes. rights, especially if they're venomous. So, so in rural communities, guns are another tool, and yet that tool is being taken away from anybody with a cannabis felony. And we're talking about destigmatizing cannabis. Truthfully, with cannabis policy, until cannabis isn't somehow leveraged into a guns rights issue, that stigma is not completely gone. Uh, I've never heard of anybody. that that you know i mean show me the case study where cannabis was the factor and why somebody was irresponsible in the way that they used a firearm you know it's funny um we we have some amazing one thing in the cannabis in my veteran community because we have such a huge network we have veterans who touch anything right now we have uh, one of our dear friends uh, one of our our best vets someone who actually works at the project um and he's a black vet in california and he's up on gun charges in veterans court because he was a security at cannabis, you know, sessions and he got pulled over. And I mean, every, the police all said, if, if this was non, not California, you would nothing would have happened to you. And they literally have the Karen Brigade going after this poor kid. And we need this story put out there. This thing should be New York Times front page. What's happened to him? And he'd, he'd be willing to sit down for an interview. So we got any. uh good reporters out there. And I already talked to a few, of course, uh, that they're looking at this story. This is a great story. You know, one of the things I would question Yarrow is it may be associated the get the gun, right. You know, shooting, mass shooting. We definitely have an association with younger 
community, it seems, although historically that hasn't necessarily panned out. Um, I think the causative factor and it's associated is big pharma. Once again, we're plowing these kids with mental, you know, every, with every kid with mental illness, plowing them full of psych meds. And when you mess with the brain chemistry, it can go good, but there's always outliers and it could go bad. And so I think we're exacerbating mental illness with these pills. And that's what I've seen. Um, and, you know, we, we've been involved in this a lot. And so I think to your point, um, you're spot on on almost everything. And, and I think we need to have a real debate in this country. And, and unfortunately, we got the Greta Thunbergs uh, 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 of, you know, gun, uh, you know, control uh, with these young kids who like just the kids that sensible drug policy. Great kids, love their heart, love their passion, but they're not long on wisdom or life experience. And they it's they become the zombie army, the Ethan Nadelman's needed to to pass, you know, a bad drug po cannabis policy. So bottom line is, you, you know, we have had, unfortunately, uh, truth has been lost in the sake of the greater, you know, fight. But just like, you know, they see it with uh, Kath in, on, on Hunger Games, when you realize the replacement is just as bad as the old person and you end up shooting them too, um, we need leaders in this country to have these conversations. And that's what we're voting on. I'd be curious to know whether the good doctor who has spent decades writing cannabis recommendations going back to the beginning of the medical era in California, whether any of those patients in the confidential relationship that they had with you as doctor and patient ever discussed, disclosed, or admitted to you that with their cannabis use, they felt violent, felonious acts coming up through their body as they consumed cannabis and that they thought they would be a threat to themselves or others because they owned a gun? Well, you know, no. Uh, most people definitely, they don't get more violent with cannabis. They get less violent. They, they use cannabis to deal with their anger or irritability. Um, but the, uh, this law brings up the question, I mean, you guys have both brought up the question of mental health. And I think that that's the discussion that's happening out there right now, mental health and gun control, um, which will affect, you know, a good portion of cannabis using patients who use it because of mental health. So I, I think cannabis is really not the issue. You know, in fact, it, it's helpful uh, to reduce violence, but uh, mental health is really the discussion. And are cannabis users with mental health issues not going to be able to use to have guns because of their mental health issue you know funny doc you know let me confirm let me tell you what cannabis does it calms people the hell down it's great for PTSD, so it can take a potential violent situation and de-escalate it and i can personally attest to that not only with myself uh but and not, not shooting but the, the old good old brawl type of uh trouble um, and, uh, and a lot of veterans were a lot safer with them having cannabis access. I mean, my, my partner, Kevin, six, five, like 200 in, insane MMA fighter, heavyweight MM, you know, MMA fighter. He's doing gi right now and no one in California will fight him. They're trying to give him heavyweight amateur. He's not a black belt yet, but he's working up in this discipline. And if that guy is not medicated, Holy smokes. You know what I'm saying? So uh, bottom line is I would actually say cannabis is the safer substitute.
Absolutely. But is he allowed to have a gun because of his mental illness? Well, again, you know what? I don't know about him. Um, I know a lot of people who can't have guns uh, because of their mental illness, and they'd be the most safest gun owners, and a lot of them are, to be honest with you. Because this is what people don't get. You can't control this stuff. There's now a black market in guns in California, ghost guns. You can print them on a goddamn 3D printer. printer. On a 3D printer. We're not gonna be, you know, so all we're going to do is criminalize the law-abiding citizen hmm. like this story. And guess who it is? It's a black vet. Because hmm. the DEA and the cops love to go after uh, the poor because they're an easy target. So hmm. they can put their pelts on the wall. Mm-hmm. So they can get judged. And we made 72 arrests. That's 10 more than last year. Well, you, you know the yeah. easiest way in law enforcement, you know the easiest way in law enforcement, Sean, to get a, get, a, get, a, uh, get a promotion. You know what the slogan is. The bigger the bust. Feel the evidence, money? No, no, no. The bigger the bust, the bigger the boost. All the above. Mm-hmm. Yarrow, all the above. Yep. And, uh, and, and on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Whatever you're doing, make sure you hit that like button. It helps us with our YouTube algorithm. So just go ahead and just smash that like button for us. It's free to you guys. doesn't cost you anything. All you have to do is just tap just like that. Boop. Just like that. Hey, hey Jason, there's something free you offer? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, you're That's welcome, Sean. You're welcome. Make sure you hit the like button, Sean. Uh, also, also too, make sure you hit the subscribe button if you haven't subscribed already. Make sure you check out our website, www.hyatt9news.com. Tons of great stuff over there. You'll see all the articles that we cover here every day. Um, you can go ahead and read. You can sign up for our newsletter. And you can also check out our merchandise. Lots of different stuff going on over there. www.hyatt9news. And make sure you share the show with your friends because we believe that organic growth is the best growth keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state local and federal governments is key to success when the future of your business is at stake you need representation as dedicated as you are with a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis hemp and psychedelics knowing where to begin can be a challenge good thing the law offices of omar figueroa features a skilled highly focused team ready to guide you through it all they're accepting new clients in california and new york so make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Coming up next, it is the doctor who has been writing doctors or medical cannabis recommendations longer than Gen Z has been alive. That's right. It is none other than the Dr. Gene Talleyrand. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Happy Friday, everyone. My story today comes from the San Diego Union Tribune. It's an opinion piece by Shelby Huffaker. The title is, States are scrambling to regulate cannabis. Federal regulations would ensure safe access. Think for a moment about the assumptions you hold about the medications you take. Are you sure that the Tylenol in your medicine cabinet contains the exact dose of acetaminophen advertised on its label? 
Do you know for certain that your asthma medication is not depositing harmful pesticides in your lungs? In the United States, we are fortunate to have a robust regulatory system for ensuring medications are held to the highest safety standards. Uh, looks like she's talking about the FDA. Um, unfortunately, with cannabis classified as Schedule One, there's no way to regulate it for the benefit of medical patients and non-medical cannabis consumers alike. States use a patchwork approach to regulating cannabis. A recent analysis by Americans for Safe Access revealed that states vary dramatically in their approaches to regulating cannabis product quality, if they have any approach at all. In addition to human rights issues caused by the decades of cannabis criminalization, the lack of federal oversight creates an environment where medical cannabis patients' needs remain unmet. You might be thinking that this opinion is intended to promote Americans for Safe Access legislation, and you'd be right. So let's just skip to what is ASA uh, proposing. First, the question of federal off of the first, the creation, sorry, of a federal office of medical cannabis and cannabinoid control. The office would be under the Department of Health and Human Services and would facilitate medical cannabis research, regulate the production of medical cannabis, and facilitate public-private partnerships for production and research. Second, the legislation creates a new Schedule 6 for cannabis under the Controlled Substances Act. Currently, Schedule 1 substances are considered most abused with the least medicinal value and Schedule 5 are least abused. Uh, cannabis would have its own schedule, Schedule 6, because it's the only controlled substance that is naturally derived. Alcohol and tobacco are both natural but not controlled substances. Americans for Safe Access doesn't support descheduling cannabis because it doesn't address the need for regulatory oversight of product safety, research, and development. So the only problem I see with this proposal is that it's ignoring the adult or recreational user. On the other hand, it's, focus on the it's, it's focusing on the medical consumer. And as a medical professional, I'm completely fine with it. Patients need their medicine, and recreational laws have been uh, increasing prices and limiting access. So uh, as a result, I'm fine if the Department of Health and Human Services decides to tax or restrict recreational use. After all, we started this movement for the patient. I think I'm going to join this bandwagon. What do you think? Should cannabis be Schedule 6? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand for Hyatt 9 News. I'm going to say a big no to this, Dr. Talleyrand. This is a no, no, no. This is in the no-fly zone if we were in Detroit. This would not go anywhere, okay? This is total ridiculousness. And the fact that ASA is not for descheduling is just a slap in the face to every single supporter that has supported ASA over the years. ASA, boo. <laughs> Listen, you want to talk about another clown group. We got DPA, MPP. ASA's return, and, and I, I was supportive because they were against Prop 64 uh, in California. They didn't support it like normal and cow normal and those people did. Uh, but, but bottom line is, again, uh, descheduling needs to happen, not rescheduling. We don't need the FDA in charge of us. 
We don't need Dr. Fauci-esque in charge of us. This is about liberty, and we should have the liberty yep. to buy cannabis in the free market, which is going to be the best access market there are. Limit eight, you know, limit recreational to ages. Fine, put some basic uh, laws in like alcohol. But you know what? This is America, ladies and gentlemen. And if I want to use cannabis and I want to buy it at the local store because it's accessible, and that's why you don't have an illicit market in alcohol in California because it's available, it's accessible, local store. And price points, everything from Thunderbird to I'm sure Yarrow's got a bunch of thousand dollar bottle wines in, in Sonoma. And you know what? So the reach elite can have their little snobby parties and smell their wine. And my brother's down on Boulder Highway and, and I can sit down with our Thunderbird and have a drink. Yeah, I, 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 you know, Mary Edwards Pinot Noir is very affordable and it is a best representation of the grapes that grow here in the Russian River AVA. And it doesn't have to be bougie to be delicious. Oh, here's man. what I'm going to say. If about it's not bougie, ASNet. it's not delicious. Uh, here's what I'm going to say. I don't know that I'm knowledgeable enough on this proposal to have an opinion, but I will say this 12 years ago when they came kicking down all my doors for being a cannabis cultivator. And eventually I had to go to court for sentencing. ASA was part of the cavalry for me mm. and they sounded the alarm and they let people know that another family was about to be destroyed and that they were suggesting a massive prison term for me for having a cannabis collective. And so all I can say is for me at the core of cannabis is community, camaraderie, unity, and loyalty. So I would be hard pressed to criticize too loudly personally an organization that stood up for me when I couldn't even ask for help. That's that's fine, and I totally respect that, Yarrow, but I am going to stand up and I'm going to criticize them left and right because this is BS that they are not supporting descheduling. This is just total, total ridiculousness and, and just goes against every fiber. Like, I, I've known Asa for a number of years, okay? Number, number of number of years, okay? Back when um, Robin was a part of them um when and 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 robin would come around with the jars for asa and we'd have them in there and like people would put their money in and we had the picture of um oh, i don't remember what the guy's name was but we had the picture of her of of his daughter um on on the jar and, and she had the sign up that said the dea took my daddy away do you remember the gentleman's name uh dr t the, who that um, no. i want to say it was uh brian epps is is coming uh, is coming is coming to mind and that was his daughter okay and so they used this to 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 garner a lot of support and, and and they were good at what they did as far as like when places were raided they would they would gather they would mobilize and whatnot and just do like a little protest and and we used to joke and be like oh man that's the asa that's the, they're the paid protesters like when shit goes down you call the paid protesters to come out and come and you hey, know what i'm saying and whatever when you get a part ticket call exactly 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 same, same very, not very, very similar thing. by, by mentioning al sharpton a paid similar, fbi informant very okay? very very similar thing. Very similar thing. Very similar thing. I used to sit across New York City at Del Fresco, and Al would give me advice. So I, I don't talk shit about Al. Okay. Hey, He's listen, a paid FBI informant. I'm going to talk I, a ton listen, of shit. I'm okay? not gonna, I, I I know too much. I got to be quiet. I, I legally, you know, can't talk about everything. Bottom line. Let me let me just say this. Let me say this. It's not about ASA. Just like it's not about the lawsuit. 
because at the end of the day, it's about the people behind these organizations. And no doubt that there's been good fights. There's people at, at Drug Policy Alliance who have, who have done good things. Uh, there, there's people at, in the military, veterans who have done amazing things. But here's a piece of information you all need to be aware of. ASA was going bankrupt. Their largest debt holder reorganized and now is pushing the fight in her view. Steph, and this isn't made by public. The problem is, I think it's taken a, 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 I don't believe they have the competency to represent anymore. And we can have that public debate one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one with anyone who wants to enter the ring with me. And we'll have that public debate because I know more than anyone on this show and, what's going on. And we and would be, be a problem, just like drug policy and policy was a problem. And here, let me go step further. People want medical and want to stop wreck because you can control the laws through for the good of the people in medicine called regulatory capture. And that's just what Drug Policy Alliance to do when they put this limited licensing model through. They thought it was going to be a treasure chest for their communist manifesto to push a political radical left agenda. And it didn't work because, again, they misfired. They didn't design a very good engine. Uh, we need some old, good old American know-how. The market knows best. And, and that's this story's coming out. And it's going to be public. And I can't wait. And, and we would be more than happy to host that live debate if the if the different individuals all want to come and we, we would be more than happy to facilitate that debate, Sean. But I am going to say one one good thing about ASA um, is the best thing, in my opinion, that ASA has ever done was when they sued the state of California Highway Patrol and they got them to change their policy in regards to how they enforce on medical cannabis. That is the single best thing that ASA has ever done. And that and that is the best thing that I think that they have ever done period, in their entire existence as an organization. That's just my personal opinion, but that's just is what it is. And the fact that they are not supporting descheduling just really, really bothers me and irks me to the core of my existence. Well, I feel like that mention of uh, law enforcement or, or uh, California Highway Patrol is a really good segue to my article. Well, hold on then, Yarrow. So then, coming up next, that's right, we have Mr. Yarrow Kerbin. Oh, oh yeah. Yarrow's up there in Sonoma and obviously has a good segue to go roll right into his article. So what do you have, Yarrow? So my article today, good people, is record-breaking 68.5 million illegal cannabis bust in Siskiyou County. Siskiyou County, California, Governor Gavin Newsom's office announced on Tuesday that the Unified Cannabis Enforcement Task Force eradicated 68.5 million of illegal cannabis and seized a dozen firearms in its largest operation to date. The operation took place in July and included 24 search warrants served between July 11th and the 13th on unlicensed commercial cannabis cultivation sites in Whitney Creek, Harry Cash, and Chasta Vista areas of Siskiyou County. This operation's eradication included more than 67,000 illegal cannabis plants and seized over 8,000 pounds of illegal processed cannabis worth an estimated $68.5 million. According to the governor's office, the sites in question were associated with suspected environmental violations, including the use of unlawful pesticides, other toxic chemicals. The governor's office sent a press release that dangerous chemicals not only degrade California's natural resources, but also endanger workers and expose them 
adding that the task force is taking aggressive action to combat organized criminal cannabis operators and growers that harm the environment and the public through the use of unlawful pesticides and toxic chemicals. The task force began operations in the summer of 2022 and is being coordinated by the governor's Office of Emergency Services through its Homeland Security Division. The task force actively coordinates with state, local, and tribal agencies to disrupt the illegal cannabis market. California has an abundance of public land set aside for conservation, recreational use, and enjoyment of the people of the state, said California Department of Fish and Wildlife Director Charlton Bond. Him. Unfortunately, criminal organizations are impacting those areas by exploiting some of our most pristine public lands and wildlife habitats as growth sites for cannabis. The CDFW says large-scale illicit outdoor cannabis cultivation can be harmful to the environment. Non-compliant cultivation sites can negatively affect wildlife, vegetation, water, soil, and other natural resources when they utilize chemicals, fertilizers, and terracing, and even poach local wild animals. Illegal cannabis cultivation results in the chemical contamination and alteration of water shortage, diversion of natural water courses, elimination of native vegetation, wildfire hazards, poaching of wildlife, and harmful disposal of garbage, non-biodegradable materials, and human waste. CDFW says untested cannabis products also pose safety hazards to consumers, while also while all illicit illegal activity undercuts regulated market and hurts licensed cannabis business owners. So. In the past, when I've read these articles, I've kind of just opened it up to the group and then come in over the top with my little John What What to tell y'all what I think. But I'm going to lead this one in a slightly different format and tell you guys exactly what I think. Okay? So bear with me while I riff, ramble, and rant. Let's break down that street value. Okay? How much is that per plant and how much is that per pound? We know right now what the high side value on the street is for pounds and plants, which means that the estimated street value has been exaggerated not by a percentage, but by an exponential multiplier. And what street is it that they're talking about? Is that boardwalk or park place? Because that's awfully expensive. And when you justify with your street value, what constituents, what group is that that they're trying to create trust with? Because the sad part is that inflated street values have been a part of the press, press releases and politics justifying enforcement for decades. It's nothing new and represents the same old optics and politics that have been used to justify enforcement and prohibition. Instead of talking about estimated street value, how about sharing with the cost? How about sharing with the public the cost to the taxpayer for these enforcement actions? If that same money was used for tax relief to create a more sustainable regulated industry, would it have a better potential effect on unregulated cannabis production? And aren't we a society that is still struggling with communities not trusting law enforcement? So how is it that you are going to come in here and lie to my face yet again about the street value? So I broke that street value down because I have a little calculator on my iPhone. 8,000 pounds and 67,000 plants. If those pounds were outdoor and they were selling for 500, that's $4 million. And if those plants were $5 a cut, that's $335,000 for less than a $5 million street value. Okay, so that's the low side. Let's go to the high side, the high side of reasonable, the box seats, the chronic of Nardia, the best of the best. Those 8,000 pounds at $2,000 a pound is 16 million. And those 67,000 cuts at $20 a cut is 1.35 million. So the high side value for this haul and seizure is 17.5 million and the governor's office and cdfw and law enforcement 
have the audacity to sit here and lie to the public and tell us that they just took $67 million off the streets. I think that we all agree, and it's not a partisan position, that we need better transparency with government and society to create and rebuild trust. And when you come out with a press release justifying what you've done, you don't talk about the cost of what you've done, but you use that street value to anchor and tether your justifications for what you do. I'm just going to argue that the only people who benefited from this were the people who were on overtime when they kicked in those doors at 5.45 a.m. I like what you did with all that math right there. I just wish you had a whiteboard behind you so you could have demonstrated hey. and showed it to us. Hey, Rico, welcome. Yes. You with us, Thanks. Rico? I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you. We can hear you. Yes. Yes. You made it. Finally, it's about time. Nice of you to show up so late today. <laughs> Eight minutes to go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, look, man. I, I got a job too, so I got know, a job. I got up. a job. I got a job. Sometimes things come up, and uh -huh. I got it. I got a diapers got ain't cheap. Diapers ain't. You know it's not in Joe Biden's America. They're not. That's for sure. Facts. Ne neither are depends. I will not argue with that. Neither are depends. Facts. Depends are Speaking cheap of shitting the bed, what do you guys think about my article and the fact that this government in this state is still justifying? antiquated prohibition methods by using street value on a street that doesn't exist. Our progressive, gun-hating environmentalists in California are pursuing the same model that we did, and we use yep. black and brown people as the front lines of their bad policy when they, yep. quote, arrest and, and drug value to justify the unions getting more paying jobs. You hit it on the nail on the head. I don't need to say anything more. Yarrow, perfect. Hey, Sean. Sean, you look very Richard Nixon-esque when you do that that two 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 twos up right there. Just so you know. <laughs> hey, hey, you know who I prefer to Richard Nixon? Che Guevara. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy. I, hey, I'm not no I, I'm not no Omar Figueroa Stanford kid. I'm a Cal Berkeley street guy. Oh man. Oh, and by the way, yeah. you know where all our problems geographically run through with California? Palo Alto. Palo Alto. The the the, the, the castle of privilege, oozing billionaires. That place, oh my lord. So much so the dog shit on their fucking lawns. Excuse my language. Someone needs to drop kick that place. I'm feeling real defensive. So first of all, I don't think that's a progressive policy. I think that's a regressive policy. I think most true progressives would look at what happened in the headline that I shared and say that that doesn't represent the way they'd like this state government to operate. I disagree and then with secondly, that. Secondly, I, I hope my kids are lucky enough to go to Stanford. And when we talk about accountability, accountability uh, being on both sides of the street, not just with communities, but also with the people who are tasked with, uh, uh, you know, patrolling those communities. You know, Senor Figueroa did sue the Roner Park Police Department under the RICO Act, and they folded like a lawn chair, and it was a mid-seven-figure settlement. So I do think there's a place for uh, uh, Ivy League and highly educated white-collar paper pushers. I'm gagging. I apologize. I got to go off camera. <laughs> hey, hey listen, uh, no, it, I don't it, disagree with you in one sense. I love Omar, but 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 uh, this is the reality. 
the, the true progressives and the true conservatives have a lot in common, right? I mean, honestly, I caucused for Bernie. Bernie is the only politician Communist. I've ever donated money to when he got the election stolen from him Commie. by Hillary. Yep, he did. But That's true. Is, 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 whether you're Hillary or you're the Bushes, those are the same with the left-right bird. That's about money. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you're talking about. So I, I think there's quality people in every community. So I'll give it to you in places. But, oh, my Lord, we have a problem with privilege in this country. Yeah, we do. Left is doing, like I said, Hunger Games, Catherine Evanhart. Right. When the leadership, the leader, the female leader was going to replace the male leader. She realized they're one and the same bird, different things. And she lifted her her arrow and she shot the late b and that's all i'm gonna say oh. and that was the best thing we can learn are we gonna let new leadership come in under the guise of change for the people change nothing for the people change the labels of the people we attack to exploit and, and because it's no longer just brown and black people but it's i think the a asian community up in uh and the black and brown community and the poor white community in the hills that dog just got shot justifying this That's thing. right. The mom community. They shot his yep. dog with a civil warrant before mm -hmm. they even came on his property instead of allowing him to secure his animal. And then they maligned him by saying that he had some dog training tools like a bike guard. And anybody who's had a dog who wants to play with their dog knows that, you know, you can have these little things to play with your dogs. That was that was terrorization and, and it was recorded. And, and 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 I used that example when I spoke in Washington, D.C. two months ago as a perfect example of prohibition continuing. It was terrible. Who who shoots somebody's dog? Just tell them to put Cops it on a leash. Hey, Cops do. Cops do. Hold on. Hold on, guys. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Sean. Hold on, Sean. We got it. We, we, we're, we're real late on time. Rico got here late. Rico has a very, very interesting story. We have to get to this today. Okay. So up, yes. coming up next, it is... The tardy dope dad himself. That's right. He obviously had some babysitting to do today to make sure that he actually is a dope dad. Um, and that's why he couldn't be with us today. But none other than this, it is Mr. Rico Lameet. Uh, thank you, Jason. Thank you, everybody. And um, I agree with all of your words, Yaro. And um, good to have you back, Sean. I miss you, big brother. So, but it's uh, looking like the ghost of true. It's looking like the ghosts of True Leaves, not so distant CFOs past, are coming back to haunt them. Uh, well, irregularities found in one former exec's expense reports wipe out the company's recent political wins in the public policy department. Let's take a look. Uh, Morningstar reported uh, yesterday True Leaf Cannabis Corp is weighing options to get reimbursed for up to $400,000 of personal expenses by former CFO Alex Diamico. In a Wednesday filing, the company says it discovered irregularities in the former chief's expense reimbursement submissions and the use of a corporate credit card. And uh, in in-house investigation found Diamico engaged in conduct in inconsistent with its policies and procedures by both allegedly submitting expense reimbursements and using corporate credit cards for personal expenses. Auditors estimate the total amount in question is between $350,000 and $400,000. The company said in a statement that he, uh, the amounts involved did not have a material impact on previous financial statements, uh, but need to be 
need to reflect any recovered money in its tax reports and is still evaluating its options, which may include, without limitation, the company seeking restitution from Mr. D'Amico. Currently, the CFO of uh, Cyto Sorbents Corp. The Amico abruptly left TrueLeave in June after three years of service overseeing uh, the Florida Giants' finances. His initial appointment was widely scrutinized by the investment com- uh, community as he replaced TrueLeave's previous financial chief, uh, Mohan uh, Srinivasan, uh, who left without much ex- explanation himself. The move put TrueLeave under the microscope as it isn't common practice for the outgoing uh, CFO of any company not to assist in the transition period to a new executive. Curiously, the move was repeated by D'Amico, then again by his replacement, Tim Milani, three weeks ago after just 10, day, 10 days on the job. Milani cited personal reasons for his departure. In the filing, TrueLeave said D'Amico's withdrawal as CFO was not as a result of any disagreements regarding any matter relating to companies' operations, policies, or practices. After recently dropping $40 million on political aspirations in a state known for prohibitionist leadership, TrueLeave's going to need somebody with a strong pedigree to step up and handle their business. Or I don't see a lot of this, um, uh, a lot of upside uh, for prudent investors looking to capitalize on a decent long-term play. TrueLeave's stock fell about 1% Thursday after news broke and is down 40%. Uh, 45% year to date. I'm Rico Lamit. Dope is out on the street. Mm-hmm. You know what? $400,000 in personal expenses on the, on the company card. Hey, hey, Rico, you want to talk about some crazy expenses? We can tell stories about Wall Street and traders, what they would pay us <laughs> to trade through them. That's a whole different story. Hey, man. Hey, what's hey, going hey, on. Yeah, you go you get into it, man. Yeah. You, you got to understand, no one's going to want to lead these as a public CFO because they're not going to, what are they going to give you, equity that's going to be worth zero? Why the hell would you, you, you probably came in, he looked under the hood of this engine and said, holy shamoly, this thing's about to blow up to zero, which it's going to, um, and said, I'm gone. I don't want to deal with this mess. I'm not going to make money. I'm getting it paid to babysit. Yeah, that, it's, it's, it's not a good sign when the, when the guy who replaced this guy was only there for 10 days and he was out. Well, listen, uh, you know what's great? They're all going to go to zero. So all the wonderfully misguided people who helped walk us off a cliff, they're not going to get rich. In fact, their billionaire dreams is uh, the life of, of the rich and famous and caviar dreams. Uh, they're going to be more like top ramen here. So that's just the reality. I mean, so it, maybe takes, it takes some accountability by the great free market. It takes a lot of money in jail to, to eat top ramen every day. Just saying. Well, hey, now we got jail. We got we got cell phones in jail. I can get you can get anything you want in jail. Literally, if you, if you got if you got the money to pay for it, you can. I've been in jail. I know these things. The DEA raided my house just like you are over cannabis. It was the craziest. I said, you know what the best story is? You look at you look at the ham, the bologna they gave me at my first meal. I said, I'm going to starve in here. And my wife, who was in the female section when we met, because she they arrested her too, because she wouldn't turn and talk to me. And the DEA agent literally said, "Well, I'll arrest you too if you don't, uh, you know, uh, don't talk." And he, she said, "For what?" And he goes, "I don't know. I'll make it up." She, her and I had to spend a hundred thousand dollars bail each to get out. And the DEA is on record from the San Diego uh, uh, CPS saying they tried to talk at San Diego CPS into holding our kids even though there was the CPS knew me because I'm a disabled vet. They're like, there's no way we, there's nothing to hold them on cannabis. They, they, 
The kids didn't show any negative benefit. They're amazing athletes. They're amazing academics. We're not holding them. And the so CPS, CPS, go ahead. CPS has been used as a as an enforcement weapon against cannabis defendants. They arrest you on a Friday. They take your kids to CPS over the weekend. You freak out. But what I want to just remind you, Sean, is that the next time you have these massive bails to deal with, just call your friend, the CFO at TrueLeave. They'll just put it on the credit card for you, dog. It ain't a thing, okay? That is a minor blip on their personal expense report. So now that you know, now that you're more informed, you know who to call when you've got an extra six-figure bail fee. The problem is, I think that check may bounce the way things are going for them. And, you know, what What, what do you think about all this, Dr. Talleyrand? You got a lot of laughs. And you got a you got to look to the leadership in a company like this. Uh, uh, you know, what is the CEO doing? It seems that there's this revolving door of CFOs that come in and, and mess up this company. Uh, yeah, it's it's problematic. How, how do we know it's not actually just Kim Rivers that, that that is directing all this and just making it look like it's the CFOs that are doing this? Yeah, usually you got to look up. It's yeah. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a tough one. Um, it just looks like the CFO position is a revolving door mm -hmm. over there. Maybe they're maybe they're just not watching that position. Like so, I maybe I, no I don't one even wants know where to start with Kim. It. Maybe right. no one wants to work for Kim because she's trying to get him to do something fraudulent. Listen, this is equality as our our feminists want it today, and I'm a feminist, so I am a feminist. But the Fox feminists. They want the equality to be as equally sociopathic as the sociopaths who've been running corporate America. That's the true equality they want. Oh, I mean, boy. I feel like the 10 days on the job for the next CFO is as alarming as somebody getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar because it takes you longer than 10 days to get that job. I know kids who can last at a Taco Bell getting grease splattered in their face longer than that. And that's a not very well-paying job. So I think that there's definitely cause for concern. If I was a stockholder, I would be well. Um, you know what? Wondering where the accountability was going to come from. You know what I think she should, should look. Concerned a long time ago, not before you know, this. You know, you know, you know where she should look. You know where she should look to find her next CFO is right out here in Hollywood because we have the whole strikes and everything going on. So there's tons of fall guys out here that are just looking for work that would love to have a job. That truly Somebody is. could write her a better script, exactly. right? We got all these creatives exactly. and script writers exactly. who are striking. They could write something better a hundred, for True A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They could write something way better for True Leaf. Exactly right. Well, you know what? I'm not happy with right. because they've left home grow off. So you know what? Kim needs to be in our sights here. And I think ridiculing her might be the right thing to do. Although sometimes mm -hmm. just being quiet and watch these people hang themselves figuratively, not literally, it is the way to go. And I just, mm -hmm. she, go ahead. We do a rebrand. Less than true. Leave. Oh, boy. Hey, listen, oh. I think what we do is buy all their footprint out of bankruptcy yeah. And, yeah. and literally yeah. make it We for Warriors left to right across America as the uh, as the Jack Daniels of cannabis. Yeah, I just I just hope that um, uh, their movement doesn't lose uh, doesn't lose steam because it seems like it has been picking up for the advocates down there that are pushing to get that ballot measure 
uh, going. Um, I don't know how that's this because is going of that forty million dollars she's already put in, Rico. That's only because it, of that forty might, million, it bro. Might, it, might, it, it might be why dude bounced. <laughs> the, 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 the activists, the activists yeah. aren't 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 pushing for this. Okay, the, all the people because they want to have home grow on there, and they don't want True Leave to be the sole monopoly out there in Florida. So they're not necessarily for this. I'm not buying that Genius. part. Genius. We, 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 had, we, had, we, had, we had somebody on that said that um, uh, we actually had somebody on that, that said that they don't mind True Leave. They're a small operator and said they don't mind True Leave uh, footing the bill for it because it wouldn't get done. Period. Well, listen, if, I, yeah, if I, you're I disagree with that. And listen, if you're part of the nobility class, it's amazing how universal. You, I mean, listen, I worked on Wall Street. You know who hates each other? All the mm -hmm. big pharma companies hate each other. Guess who speaks with one voice in D.C.? All the pharma companies. That doesn't mean they're pushing good policy because yeah. the nobility agrees. They want to shackle us. That's they true. want to keep That's us true. as peasants. And they want their tidying up to them that it greatly distorts their value contribution to the chain. We need liberty. We need home grow because it's about access because we have a suicide epidemic going on. And everywhere cannabis is accessible, what do we have? lower suicides, lower overdoses. And I would say no to the Florida because you know what? The illicit market is providing access in Florida. We have veterans running these sessions. And the best thing about the current situation is cannabis is decriminalized to a good extent. And so they're hard to crack down. Let's not pursue bad policy for the sake of feed. And that cements the oligarchy, that problems you have in New York and California. Let's say no to bad policy that enriches the few because we need cannabis access and government for the people, by the people, for the betterment of our communities. That was a, that was a great closing. Yeah, right final there, word. You are located down in Florida, right? No, yeah, Yaro's in Sonoma. Mr. Manatee. So, I, I mean, if I was going to say any final words, and I, I and probably, <laughs> I, I, you know, I probably, I would imagine the good doctor also believes no, in me. No, I think no, it's okay. I think it's a really easy litmus test to know whether an organization or a person is in favor of plant medicine and increased access for all constituents with a single question. Are you opposed to modest home grows for private citizens when it's locked and it's still an age restricted area? And so if the answer is you're against home grows, then you're not the cannabis people industry constituents advocacy groups that i want to be affiliated with it's really well, really simple there's if a we real want people to be able to enjoy it then they have to be able to put a plant in the ground buy 17 dollars worth of potting soil and water it and if they can't do that then it's protectionism there, 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 protectionism. there's a real easy litmus test hold on hold on sean there's a real easy litmus test for this yarrow is because we covered a story about there trying to be uh something on the ballot to allow for home grow so let's see if truly puts any money behind this in the signature gathering round and that'll be proof for your pudding right there that's where the four hundred thousand from their cfo went it was a side contribution yeah right for the home grow. yeah that is definitely not the case Wrap this uh, we, out. We are go. over time today. No, this is no, this is great. This is a great conversation. This is a great debate, and I love this, man. I love it. And you know, we were all down for home grow. Maybe, as Jason says, um, they'll evolve on that issue.
Uh, but thank you all for joining us again for another episode of High at Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our live super fans showing love, getting their comments up on the big screen and the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms. Tune in for the Conversations of Chaos daily, known as you're developing cannabis industry. Uh, to our vetted correspondents tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspectives and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and all our sponsors keeping the lights on the AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, the lovely Zsa Simone holding things down on all the other platforms. To the haters out there, we love you. Have a great weekend. And always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the Hyatt 9 News comes back and reads these stories every day. Thank you. It has been Friday. August 11th, 2023, the show's over. You've all been blessed with the top headlines of the industry. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until Monday. Sean Kiernan, you got the outro today, man. Good to have you back, man. What you got to say for these people? You leave them a good I message. We, we There was just news. We didn't get to it. I'll get to it next week, Jason, if you had him on, uh, talking about suicides uh, increasing just like overdoses. Just, go, go, ahead, go ahead and read the headline, Sean. Okay, well, listen, this is the headline. Uh U.S. suicides hit an all-time high last year. My son should not have died, said Christina Wilbur, whose son died of suicide last year. They go on in the Associated Press and talk about 49,500 people took their own lives last year. Um, but this is how everyone's heard of 22 a day with veterans. That was the study that came out. But there's a lot of problem with the data. They reconstituted the data and said only 20. That was propaganda. They purposely bought it lower because we were gaining – too much traction in addressing this issue. Well, a study released in 2022 found that as many as 44 veterans die on average per day from suicide when accounting overlooked causes of death that are aligned with suicidal and self-harm behavior, which is 2.4 times greater than the official estimate. And so I'm going to tell you the 49,500 number in this article is wrong it is understating the suicide crisis and the government and the power brokers who don't want change continue to lie to us and continue to use uh, regulation uh, to uh, 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 control the game that's causing this problem. These unintended consequences are self-made heirs. And, and we live in America. And it's time we stay up and start fighting for our brothers and sisters and there's no place, and that's black, brown, poor, white community, rich, white people, rich, black people who are good people need to step up and say, not in our name. No more. And this 15th, we're going to have a press conference and a lot of news coming out of Patterson, California. That's, I think, going to make national headlines. And it's going to hit this issue on the head. It's time to take back our country, ladies and gentlemen. Please join us or at least support us. God bless America.